As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. Hello, friends. I'm Rick Warren, and welcome to Spurgeon Sermons. This is the official podcast brought to you by Premier and Spurgeon's College. You know, the teachings of Charles Spurgeon have had a personal impact on my life in a profound way, and I'm confident they'll do the same for you. So get ready to be challenged, equipped, and guided by Charles Spurgeon, who is universally regarded as the greatest English preacher in the history of the church. A Far-Reaching Promise, a sermon by Charles Spurgeon, April the 15th, 1883, Part 3. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Acts chapter 2, verse 39. Further, Take encouragement from the next point, which is that if God has made a promise, he certainly must be prepared to fulfil it. I have known a great many very promising young men who were never performing young men. They promised to do this and that and the other, but they never do anything of the sort. I heard of one the other day who owed a great deal of money and he got the bill for the debt renewed. And after that was done, he said to a friend, Now that is all settled. How comfortable a fellow feels when he has no debts to trouble him. He had not paid anything. He had not anything with which he could pay. He had only renewed his promise to pay. Yet he felt perfectly content. Some people are willing to enter into any kind of promise or bond, but it never seems to occur to them that they must fulfil the obligation into which they have entered. We put them down as untrustworthy men, and we do not want to trade with them or associate with them. But God never made a promise unless he was quite prepared to fulfil it. Men sometimes make promises because it is not convenient or in their power to perform the promise at once, so they postpone its fulfilment. But when God makes a promise, he can fulfil it at once, and he will always be ready to fulfil it whenever he is called upon to do so. Friends, if God has promised to give the Holy Spirit, he can do it. The Holy Spirit waits to descend into the hearts of men and women today. If God has promised to give the pardon of sin, he can do it. The ransom price is paid. The atonement has been presented and accepted. 
There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. It has not to be filled. The sacrifice is not to be found or to be offered when found. It is finished. Everything that is required for your salvation is ready. And I am sent to you to say, hungry souls that want a feast of mercy, the oxen and fatlings are killed, all things are ready. Come ye to the supper. So that the Lord's promise ought to cheer you very much, since God is ready at once to fulfil it. Yet again, here is another word of good cheer to you. God has put salvation upon the footing of promise, not on the footing of merit, not on the footing of purchase, not on the footing of anything you can do, but on the footing of he has promised it. That is how the covenant of grace runs. I will and you shall. It is not you are to do this, to feel that, to be the other, but it is a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. It is all promise, 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 promise. When you call on a man for money and he says to you, on what ground do you ask for this sum? And you say, why, sir, because you promised it. That is a good ground to go upon with one who is both able and willing to pay. If he said to you, but I want to know whether you deserve this, you are such an undeserving person that you would feel that you were out of court with him. And when your answer is simply this, Whatever I may be is not the question. I come because you promised. That makes grand pleading. That is the way to be enriched with heavenly mercy, simply to say, O oh Lord, you have promised grace to all who trust your Son. And here am I, empty, naked, poor and undeserving. But I plead your promise for your truth's sake and for your mercy's sake, fulfil that promise unto me. Is not all this encouraging? I do not say to you, the law is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, but I do say with Peter, the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. The word of promise is preached unto you. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Or putting it in Peter's words, Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now observe in conclusion that no exception is possible in this case. Let me repeat that expression. No exception is possible in this case. Addressing 
all the Jews who were gathered around him, Peter said, The promise is unto you. Looking forward to all the future generations of Jews that were to be born, he added, And to your children. And then, lifting up his eyes to the far-off Gentile world, looking in vision as far as the pillars of Hercules and across the silver streak that separates these islands from the mainland, looking still further to Ireland as well, and then to the great continent which Columbus afterwards discovered, he seemed to see red men and black men and white men and brown men, men of every race and clime and age, and he included them all by saying, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Comprehending the vast population of the whole globe throughout all time, Peter says, This promise is to you all. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Therefore, that is a promise to me. Well do I recollect the time when I first laid hold of that truth. I was in great sorrow of soul, for I thought that there was no gospel for me. But I caught a ray of hope from that blessed word, whosoever. Oh, how I love that word, whosoever. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And there was another cheering message. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. I read what John Bunyan said about that text. What hymn is this? Why, it is any hymn that cometh, any hymn in all the world that cometh unto Christ, he will in no wise cast out. Perhaps you know how the blessed Redeemer goes on about the rest of that verse. He will in no wise cast out. Lord, I am a big sinner. I will in no wise cast out. Lord, I have been a blasphemer. I will in no wise cast out. Lord, I am an old sinner. I am fourscore years old. I will in no wise cast out. Lord, I have been an adulterer. I have been a fornicator. I have been a thief. I have been a murderer. I will in no wise cast out. So he goes over and over and over and over with it to show that whoever comes to Christ, he cannot possibly cast him out. For if he did, it would make Christ a liar and it would make a lie of hundreds of texts. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Look here, brothers and sisters, look here. It is not for God's honour to cast out a soul that comes to him. Suppose that there should be cast out one soul that came to Christ. Suppose that one sinner who trusted in Christ should perish. I know what men would do. They would publish all round the world directly. God has broken his word. The gospel has failed. For here is a soul lost that trusted in Christ. You do not suppose God will suffer that, do you? 
In my imagination, I see that poor soul going down to hell. He is no sooner there than the devil says to him, Did you trust Christ? Yes, I did. Did he refuse to save you? Yes, he did. Do you mean to say that you fulfilled the word, he that believeth and is baptised? Yes, I did. And yet you are not saved. Oh, what a roar of laughter would go all round the pit. How every fallen spirit rising from his dungeon would begin with unhallowed glee to shout and yell. How through the deep profound of pandemonium, where evil reigns supreme, there would go up their hisses and their hollerings against a defeated saviour, against a conquered Christ, against a lying God, against one that said and did not do, and that spoke and was not true. Aha, aha, Emmanuel, Diabolus hath defeated thee. Aha, aha, Jehovah, thy word is forfeited. Shall such a thing ever be? You shudder as I picture it. It never shall be. Heaven and earth shall pass away, and as a moment's foam dissolves into the wave that bears it and is lost for ever, so shall the universe pass away. But never shall a sinner come and cast himself on Christ and yet be allowed to perish. Try it on, sinner. Try it on, try it now. God help you to try it and to prove that still Christ warmly receives sinners and casts out none who trust him. The Lord bless you for his name's sake. Amen. Thank you for listening, friends. This podcast was brought to you by Premier in association with Spurgeon's College. For more Christian podcasts, sermons, and music, head back to the website premier.plus and sign in for free.